Beautiful ladies. Thank you. Don't you hate a preacher that preach, that blows his own horn? Never could stand a guy who did that. You'll get that in a second. Acts chapter 27. My heart is full this morning. Absolutely full. If you don't know it, but between the services, Pastor Berner had the privilege of leading someone to Christ this morning. Whew. Boy, if you don't think God's in this, I don't know what is. The Lord, is, the Lord has got his hand on this place. Amen. Brother Leader said it very well. And uh, God blesses leadership. Uh, somebody a lot smarter than me once said, everything rises and falls on leadership. Yeah. And uh, that goes in every, every area of life. I have a, a lengthy text. I'm not going to ask you to stand and listen to all of it. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to read part of it. So would you stand with me if you're able? If you're not, I understand. Believe me, I understand. <laughs> but uh, if you're able, we're going to read a few verses here in Acts chapter 27, and then uh, pray, and we'll have you seated. Acts 27, verse number 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, losing thence, they sailed close by Crete, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceeding tossed with a tempest the next day, they lighted the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me, here's my text, the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, fear not, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Our Heavenly Father, God help us to believe you. We are all, probably every one of us in this room this morning, and those listening, going through some kind of a storm. It may not be as bad as a Eurachlodon. It may be a local heavy thunderstorm. But it's a storm nonetheless, and it's real. And storms bring thunder, and storms bring lightning, and that usually brings fear. And so, Lord, help us to learn how to survive our storm. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I'm going to pick up the narrative in verse number 20, I'd like, 26. I'd like to finish this so that you can understand the message as I preach it. Verse 26 says, Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island, 
But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the, sh the, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the uh, sea under colors, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray unto you, take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And there were in all in, all in the ship two hundred threescore and sixteen souls. That's two hundred and seventy-six people. This was no rowboat. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land. But they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea, loosed the rudder bands, hoised up the mainsail to the wind, and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest... Some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. Sometimes life leads us, leaves us with nothing more than broken pieces right. to hang on to. Amen. Sometimes the severity of the storm is bigger than the strength of our ship. Right. I'm going to talk to you about that this morning for just a couple minutes that I have. First of all, I want you to consider the severity of the storm. Verse 15, it says, And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Well, this again was a ship that housed 276 people. The man who was in charge of the soldiers was a centurion. If you read back a a few verses, several verses, a half a chapter, chapter and a half. You'd see the whole story. I don't have time to get into it. Paul's on his way to Rome to be tried 
for the crime of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to be there for another two and a half years after this shipwreck. The rest of the story is, is life after shipwreck, but we don't have time for that too. So we're going to look at what happened here. Paul's on his way to Rome. The centurion is a man who's in charge of 100 soldiers. There's 276 people on the ship. And that means, means that there were certainly 100 soldiers guarding probably over 100 prisoners. There were probably close to 70, 76 shipmen who were there, who were sailors, who were seasoned sailors. This was not their first journey. This was not their first rodeo, if you will. And they were used to being out on storms in the Mediterranean Sea. And that's exactly where they were. They'd already traveled for days and weeks to get to the Isle of Crete. And now they're there because the winds went ill against them. Paul uh, warned them ahead of time that, you know what, uh, God has told me, God's put it in my heart, this is not going to be a good deal for any of us. We ought not leave. We ought to winter here on this island. And the owner of the ship, the master of the ship, said, no, nah, we got business to take care of. we got to make a profit, man. We got... And the centurion saying, we got to get these prisoners to Rome. they got to get in prison. we got to get out. We can't hang around here all winter. So nobody listened to the little poor itinerant preacher Paul who was standing there in shackles and chains. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. might have been good if they had. But we find here that the storm was greater than the ship. If you went down here to Baltimore, down at Inner Harbor, and most of you have probably been there a time or two, and every now and then you'll see a ship dock there. Some of them, I've seen the Constellation, the smaller wooden sailing ships that look small compared to some of the modern uh, craft that come in there, huge, steel, iron, powerful, big, Many look like that. They, they look like men. Nothing could sink them. Well, remember they're they're docked and inside a harbor where the the water is like glass. But get them outside of the harbor. Take them for a tour down the Chesapeake Bay. And take them about 40 miles out into the middle of the Atlantic. And let Hurricane Katrina come up or Hurricane Ivan come up. And see how big that ship's look, that ship looks in the middle of 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 foot waves. And all of a sudden that thing that everybody has so much confidence, remember the Titanic was the ship that couldn't be sunk, but it was sunk on its maiden voyage by the tip of an iceberg, by the tip of an iceberg. It doesn't take much to sink your ship, friends. We put all of our stock into things that we can look at and we can see with our own eyes and we can say, man, I'm good to go. I'm strong. I'm young. I'm healthy. I got a good IRA thing going for me. I've got job security. You don't have a thing that God hasn't let you have the privilege to keep. You don't have anything more than the breath in your soul, dear friend. I used to have a friend of mine was, was, uh, came down to mission all the time. He was a layman. He, he, he was a blue-collar worker. He, he was, but he preached his heart out, and he had a love for those men. And he said, gentlemen, you don't have anything more than the breath that you're breathing right now. And I've had more than one man in the last 34 years as director of the Baltimore Rescue Mission wake up in the morning dead, both 
clients and people on staff, we'd go up to the staff quarters and go to wake a guy up in the morning and all of a sudden the guy's laying there stone cold dead, 40 years old. Don't tell me what you have. You don't have a thing but the breath you're breathing and the grace of God if you're saved. And if you don't have the grace of God, you're in real trouble, friend. You're in real trouble. Ship looked pretty small in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Verse 27 says, uh, But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. Fourteen days and nights. By the way, I did a little study. I like to study what I'm going to preach. It, it helps to know what you're talking about. And so I found out that from Crete to Malta, which was the island that they landed on, was around 700 nautical miles. That's a long time to be in a wooden ship in a hurricane, because that's what Eurachlodon was. They didn't call it a hurricane, but it was a, it was a full-blown, sure enough, hurricane. Now, you know, you know when you... When you're, you're, you're sitting in wherever you're at, in Dundalk or wherever you live, and you get the word that, are, you know, and we're getting into hurricane season, aren't we? You know, we're, we're getting into August and September. That's when things start kicking up out there in the Gulf. And all of a sudden you hear something's coming up the coast, and you go, oh, my. Well, that will probably blow out by the time we get to Virginia. You know, we're not going to worry about that. And then all of a sudden you find out that thing is still kicking up and still coming up and still picking up speed. And then uh, business owners around, they get a little nervous. They start boarding up their businesses, and people start getting extra water and toilet paper. I, I won't get into that, but that's another whole story, isn't it? <laughs> Been around enough to know how that works. And they say, you know, this thing might really hit. Okay, it might hit. So, okay, so the worst-case scenario comes by, and here you are. You hunker down for maybe 12 hours, or maybe it's a big one, and it's 16 or 18 hours long. But you're hunkered down in, in your basement or wherever you think it's the most safe. I remember one time down in Florida, Hurricane Fred hit. I was a student at Pensacola Christian College. My wife and I were down there together. And uh, Hurricane Fred came up the coast. Hit Pensacola at 95 miles an hour. Hit Mobile at about 110. I had a German Shepherd dog. My wife, the German Shepherd dog, and me were all hunkered down under the kitchen table, okay? I mean, it was, he, he had bad breath, too. I got to admit, he did. He, <laughs> He was, and, and we, didn't, we didn't have cell phones. We had a, we had a transistor radio. Anybody ever hear of a transistor radio? I don't think, you know, you could probably sell that as an antique these days. But we're here listening all night long, and we're, we're waiting for the roof to come out off of our little cinder block house down there in Pensacola. But by the time the morning came, the, the, the storm was gone. The sky was clear, and there was debris everywhere, and we didn't get electricity for the next six days. But it's a whole different ball game, friend, if you're in a wooden ship in the middle of the ocean and the storm comes and it carries you with it for 14 days and nights. Were they scared? They were scared to death. Matter of fact, none of them ate anything for 14 days and nights. Pastor talked about uh, fasting before the revival. I'll tell you what, I didn't fast 14 days and nights before the revival. I'm not that spiritual. I'll just be honest with you. That's a long time to go without food, friend. I mean, they, not only that, they were working the whole time. They were trying to keep the ship together. So you see the, the severity of the storm. Speaking of the ship, let's talk about the strength of the ship. 
Down again in verse 15. Could not bear up under the wind. Verse 17. Which when they had taken up, they used helps. Watch. They had to undergird the ship. You ever need to be undergirded? We call that prayer, don't we? Don't we call that prayer? Do you believe in prayer? Or do you think that the only thing prayer is important for is so that people think you're spiritual when you're out in a restaurant and you go to eat your food and say, well, I'm going to pray because everybody, everybody needs to know I'm a Christian. Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. Let's eat. Okay. Is that the extent of your prayer life? Do you really think you need prayer? Or do you think on Wednesday night when we talk about prayer requests that other folks really don't need prayer? They could probably make it if we didn't pray, but it'd be a nice thing to kind of pat them on the back, put a little icing on the cake and pray for them. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or facetious this morning. I'm just telling you the honest truth, friends. I know how folks are. I know how my wicked heart's been in the past. We need to pray for one another. James 5, 16 says pray for one another. Pray for one another. It needed to be undergirded. Yes, it was a big, powerful ship. It, ha it handled all kinds of cargo. It had laden on it. It had cargo. 276 people, but it needed to be undergirded. Verse number... 18, and be, we being exceeding tossed with a tempest. Now, the Bible's full of understatements, and that's an understatement, okay? That's a nice way of saying they, 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 were, they were about to be turned upside down in that thing. Being exceedingly, it didn't say we were tossed with a tempest. It says we were exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day they lightened the ship. What does that mean? That means that the cargo, remember it was a cargo ship that had another hundred prisoners and another hundred uh, uh, soldiers on it, but its main purpose was not to be a prisoner carrying ship, it was to be a cargo carrying ship, and they took the cargo, which the, the master of the ship was going to make money on, and threw it overboard because their lives were more important than what they had. Is yours? You know, you only got one life, friend. You can, you can always, if you have a little strength and health and a little time, you can always make a little more money. By the way, you only got maybe 18 years with your kids. My grandkids are now getting big, talking about driver's licenses and all that kind of fun stuff. I got 11 grandkids, my wife and I. And uh, you know what? At that time, my, my kids talked to us about how fast the time's going with their kids. I'm saying you, bet, you better be careful how much time you spend at home, how much time you spend at work. You better start thinking about priorities because one of these days when it's too late to have any real influence on, on, on them anymore, it's going to be too late. They're going to be gone and living a thousand miles away. Amen. I'm going to tell you what's real. I didn't get this gray hair from waking up yesterday. Okay, I've been down the road a little while and I've made some mistakes and I've had some heartaches and I've been broken too, just like that. That's why I'm sharing with you my heart this morning. I don't want you to have to go through some of the things I've been through. Couldn't carry the load. Yeah, have you come to that conclusion yet, friend? You can't do it on your own. You need some divine intervention. You need, it's called the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called the Word of God. It's called fellowship among the brethren. Man, how, how many times did some of us come crawling in here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, week after week after week, coming in broken, coming in dragging yourself, and somebody comes up to me and says, well, how's everything at the mission, Brother Chuck? Oh, pretty good, because that's what you expect me to say. You don't expect me to tell you how it's really going or you're going to get depressed. 
Yeah. Couldn't carry the load. Verse 40. Look over there. there. Verse, and when they had taken up the anchors, they command, committed themselves to the sea and loosed the rudder bands. You know what that's like doing? That's like taking the steering wheel off your car. Right. That's right. I had a, I, one of my best friends was, was a, a major for the state police, Maryland State Police. He, we were hunting buddies, deer hunters. Excuse me, ladies. I love Bambi, especially barbecue. But anyway, <laughs> we were deer hunting. And I had this old, well, I just got in a mission a couple of years. We had this old work band. It was a black Dodge, and it was old. And we just used it for, really, for garbage runs, okay? And at the time, the executive director made the garbage runs. So anyhow, I had the bed. But I also, it also doubled for a, a, a deer hunting truck. And we'd shoot a deer and throw it in the back of there, and it'd get bloody. It didn't matter. I hose it off. No big deal. But the, but the shifter, it was uh, automatic on the column. But the pin had come out, and I thought I'd mess with this guy one day, this major in the state police. He's riding next to me. We're on our way hunting. So we're doing about 60 mile an hour down the road. I guess I got it up that fast. I don't know if it made it that fast or not. But anyway, right in the middle of it, I handed that to him. <laughs> he said, what are you doing? I said, well, it's no good to me. I, I thought maybe you'd want to save it for something one day. <laughs> Wasn't quite as bad as a steering wheel, but it got the point across to him, you know. I need a new truck. But anyhow, they loosed the rudder bands. They'd already been trying to control the thing for 14 days and it didn't work. Hey, how long does it take you to understand that you can't control things either, okay? You're, not, you're, you're really not the one steering your own ship. You're really not. You're, you're at the mercy of God in heaven. You're at his mercy. I don't care if you're saved or lost today. You're at the mercy of God every moment of your life. Pastor Leader leaned over to me. I don't think you'll mind me saying this. After these ladies sung that beautiful song, he said, Brother Chuck, God found me in a fraternity house. I said, I understand that. <laughs> God dug me out of a horrible pit too. I won't get into it, but I, he dug me out of a horrible I didn't always play that saxophone for God, you know. I wasn't going to play it for God at all. My wife said, well, if God changed your heart, can't he change your music? Amen, Amen brother. <laughs> can he do that? Well, he can. He can. The severity of the storm, it was bigger than the ship was. It was more powerful than the ship was. The strength of the ship couldn't bear up into the wind, needed to be undergirded. It could not carry the load. Verse 19 and the third day we cast out, watch, as if we're nuts, with our own hands, the tackling of the ship. They're saying, do you know what? Nobody held a gun to me to throw, throw all the tackling out, all, all, the, all the things that they, they needed to repair the ship and keep the ship going. They threw it overboard because it had weight. They said, we don't need that if we don't have a ship. If, we don't, if we're not going to live through this thing, what do we need this junk for? Well, the thing that you think that you can't live without, you, get, guess what? Let me give you a news flash. You can live without it. If it's not the Lord Jesus Christ and your mate and your family, you can live without it. We threw it out with our own hands. Said, I know everybody thinks we're nuts, but that's what we did. Hey, by the way, who, who's, who's doing, writing the narration on this? Dr. Luke, the apostle Luke. Man, I, can you imagine the adventures he was with with Paul? It's just one of them. He said, they threw it out with their own hands. They lightened the ship. Couldn't carry the load. Verse 40, loose the rudder bands. 
lost control. Verse 41, and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck and remained unmovable. The hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. Couldn't go any further, so it was broken to pieces. I am not making light of this sermon or this message to you. Some of you are sitting here and you're saying, Brother Chuck, you don't understand. I'm sitting here in the midst of broken pieces. Well, give the pieces back to the Lord. Amen. God, can, God can take broken pottery and make a new vessel. Won't be the same one it was. Matter of fact, I can pretty much tell you the next vessel will be stronger. Will be stronger. Because God will have gotten you through it. God, God got Paul through this, but dear friends, he didn't get through it unscathed. He didn't, he didn't get through it without, without having to swim to shore on a, a, a busted piece of ship. And when he got there, he, he got more trouble when he got to the island. The severity of the storm, the strength of the ship. Number three, the stress of the sailors. You don't know anything about stress, do you? <laughs> well, they were desperate. They threw out the tackling of the ship. Ever been desperate? Sure you have. Desperate is when you don't have the answers and you don't have the resources. That's desperate. When you're back up against the wall and there's nowhere to run and there's too many in front of you to fight. And you look up and you say, God, I'm dead meat. And all of a sudden, God reaches down just, just like his brother reached down into Joseph and brought him out of that pit. But then he sold him into slavery. And when he got to slavery and he ended up in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he ended up in the prison. But God saw him in the prison and got, the Bible says God prospered Joseph in prison and brought him up out of there and made him the second in command in Egypt. God knows what kind of pit you're in. God knows what kind of prison you're in. Could be the prison of addiction. Are you listening back there? Up here? In front of me? What are you addicted to? No, I'm no drug addict. I'm not, I didn't say drugs. Well, I'm no drunkard. I didn't say booze. I got a lot of young, young folks around here. I got to be careful. I'm an old mission director, so I got to be careful. Some of you can read my mind a little bit. There's other junk you can get addicted to. Yes, sir. And it's just as addictive, and it will ensnare you and entrap you and imprison you just like any of these other things. They were desperate. Verse number 20, they were hopeless. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest laid on us, all, listen, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Hopeless. That's a bad place to be. I don't like being hopeless. <laughs> you know, one thing about the folks who come to the mission, they don't have a lot of hope, but they're not hopeless. Right. You know why? Because God's provided a place like the mission for them. They, 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 don't have to get, they don't have to stay out on the street at night, and they don't have to go to bed hungry at night. Oh, they might know that if they come to the mission, they're going to have to hear that Jesus stuff. Oh, yeah. But once they get through that, they're going to have a good, a good food to eat, and they're going to have a warm, dry place to sleep, and they're going to have showers. And if it's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they're going to have new clothes to wear, change, change of clothes, and on and on and on. They don't have to be, you don't have to be hopeless either. Okay, you don't have to be hopeless. Our hope is in Christ. Amen. 
not ourselves, not our resources, not our strength, not our youth, not our avail availability, none of those things. They were hopeless. Number 28, verse 28, and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. That means 120 feet. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again at 15 fa uh, fathoms. Now it's 90 feet. So they're getting into more shallow water. They're getting ready to go into uh, maybe a shoal or a reef or something, and they're going to hit something, and they're scared to death. The bottom of the ship is going to be torn out from under them, and they're all going to sink right there. They were fearful. Desperate, hopeless, fearful. That kind of ties in together, doesn't it? Verse 33 tops it off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This is the fourteenth day ye have tarried and continued fasting, taking nothing. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat. This is for your health. Why? Because they were weak, and they were tired, and they were exhausted. You ever work when you're exhausted? Exhausted. I mean, you, there's just no reserve left. Used to, used to laugh at people getting exhausted when I was young, you know. You could work all day, work into the night, work, work into the next day, get a couple hours sleep and get up and do it all over again. You had a tremendous reserve that was called youth. I got another newsflash for you young folks. You don't get that past 60. I remember way back when I turned 60, I realized things were different. I realized things were different. They were desperate, they were hopeless, they were fearful, they were exhausted. So you see the severity of the storm, the strength of the ship, the stress of the sailors. Fourth and finally, the sufficiency of the sail Savior. Sufficiency of the Savior. That'll work, by the way. That'll work for you. Verse 21, but after long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye have, should have hearkened unto me and not loose from Crete, and have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you to be a good cheer. Now you've already been out here for 14 days and nights. You haven't eaten anything. We all think we're going to drown any minute. And this preacher stands up in the middle of them and said, have a, have a, put on a happy face. Be a good cheer. It's going to be like I told you. You should have listened to me, by the way. No loss of any life but the ship. For there stood by me this night. The angel of God, whose I am. Are you his? My sister died when she was 31 years old. She was adopted. My mother couldn't have children. She had me when she was 40. She had my, my second sister when she was 38. But when she was 40, she had me. She said, that's it, I'm done looking at me. But anyway, but my sister, who was 31, died with bone cancer. And... Uh, I was in my third year, we were in our third year at Pensacola, I was in the middle of participles in Greek. Hallelujah, brother, participles in Greek. And I missed the semester, I, I missed the, the key part of that. Now, anyhow, I won't talk about my bonehead Greek days, but anyway, uh, we went to the funeral and the lady sang my, my sister's favorite song at the funeral. I don't know if you know it. You may not, probably don't. Look it up sometime. I am his and he is mine. I am his. And that was, that was, that was her. That, when you looked at my sister dying with bone cancer and, and, and witnessing to people who were giving them all kinds of mollygrams and all kinds of bone fusions, and they said, now this is going to be extremely painful. I don't know how you're going to take this for the next 30 minutes. You know what she did? She quoted verses and prayed. 
And they had to stop her. They said, the test is over, ma'am. You, you can stop talking now. She didn't even know they were doing it to her. I am his, and he is mine. And if that's not enough for you, dear friend, you need to think about walking closer to God. Because if you've got to have something more than him, then he's not sufficient for you. Are you listening this morning? Is he really sufficient for you? I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Is he enough? Because as much as I am madly in love with my wife of almost 46 years, it'll be next month. If God allowed her to leave before me, somehow, somehow, he would be sufficient. He would be sufficient. Yes, I'd be broken like that ship. Yes, I'd be stressed. Yes, I'd, I'd, I don't know how I'd ever do it because I don't have to know how to do it because it hasn't happened yet. But when the day ever comes, if the day ever comes, I believe God. You hear what he said? I believe. Do you believe him? Do you believe he can get you through what you're in right this minute? I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about next week or next year. I'm talking about some of you right now are in a severe storm. Do you believe he can get you through well, I have news for you. I believe him because his word says he will. Amen. His word. How do I know that? Well, let me give you a couple verses and I'll be quiet. I'm talking, number one, about the promise of peace. The peace that comes. Brother Berner talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Temptation. Walking in the flesh. Failing. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, most of us know it. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. He doesn't say you're going to like it. He doesn't say you're going to enjoy it. He said he'll make it so that you can bear it. That's sufficiency. That's sufficiency. He can give you peace in your struggle with sin. He can give you strength. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he talked about the thorn in the flesh. He didn't like it. He hated it. Cramped his style. Probably worse than walking around with a cane, believe me. I don't like that thing either. But I found out that even though I have to use a cane and even though I have other physical maladies that I wish I didn't have, God so far has given me the grace to do what he's asked me to do. And I thank God for it. And as long as he keeps giving me the grace, I intend to keep serving him. I'm not planning on quitting. He said to Paul, answer's no, Paul. You're going to have to live with that thorn. Answer's no. What are you going to do when God tells you the answer is no? You say, but Lord, I prayed. I prayed three times, and Lord, I'm expecting a yes, but the answer is going to be no. So how's that? Well, here's how that is. He'll look down over the battlements of heaven one day and maybe say to you in your ear, I won't give you deliverance. I'll give you grace. Amen. Is that good enough for you? Amen. It should be. Grace for sin and strength. Peace. For lack of supply, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus. 500 meals a day. I don't have time to talk about the mission. I'm not here to talk about the mission. But I'm saying this, over 34 years I've been there, it's been without one dime of government funding. Not one. 
and God provides over $50,000, $55,000 worth of bills every month by faith, and that's not counting putting a roof on or a $17,000 steam kettle. I'm saying God's done it. That kettle's already been paid for twice. I'm not exaggerating. You can ask my wife. She handles the finances. God's done it. God can do it. He can do it for you. Claim it. Say, dear God, I believe it. All Paul did was he said, I believe it. That's all you got to do, but you got to mean it in your heart. Talk's cheap. Talk isn't cheap when you're out in the middle of a, of a, of a, of a, of a hurricane 350 miles from shore. Talk's not cheap out there. He said in the middle of the storm, not after the storm, he said in the middle of the storm, cheer up, guys, we're going to make it. I believe God. God gave us a promise. I got all kinds of promises. I don't have time to talk about them. But I'll give you one more. Some of you, you don't understand this. He'll give you peace for mental stability. Say, are you nuts, Brother Chuck? Well, haven't you figured that out by now? Good night. Excuse me. You're going to get tested and tried, folks, to the point where you're going to wonder whether you have sanity or not. Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we despaired even of life. Pastor was transparent enough just not long ago to talk about his battle with depression. And you, you think if a man like that can get depressed, you think you can't? You think if the Apostle Paul can wonder whether life's worth living anymore, you think that can't come across your mind? If it can't come across your mind by your own thinking, I'll promise you the devil will put it there for you. I promise he will. And let me give you some help for that. Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. He wrote that from a prison cell, by the way, not from a Holiday Inn rest, uh, hotel. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He was at hand then. He's a lot more at hand now. Be careful for nothing. That means don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, we don't use the word worry. We use the word anxiety. Don't be anxious. <clears throat> but in everything. In what? In how much? Everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understand. That means the psychologist can't figure out how you got peace in the middle of your mess. They want to put you on some kind of drug. I got a drug. It's called Jesus Christ. He's called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Hey, the Prince of Peace. Do you know what that word peace could be translated as? And I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but it could be translated as tranquilizer. Thank you very much. He's my tranquilizer. I get a big dose of him every morning. Take another dose somewhere around the middle of the day when I'm about to half die. And then at night before I go to bed, I take another one and I sleep real good. Peace that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That was letter B of point four. That was letter A. Letter B is simply this provision of deliverance. Verse 26, Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Not much, not much of, a, of a provision of deliverance, but it was better than having no island. You understand? I'd rather be shipwrecked than have no island. 
Verse 44, place of safety. And so it came to pass, they all escaped safe to shore. What kind of storm are you in today? Has it been defeating you? Have you been depressed? Have you been caught up with worry, fear, hopelessness? I don't know what it is you're going through. I'm going through a little storm myself. Matter of fact, I usually stay in one. But I've learned, I've learned, I've learned to trust him, okay? I've learned to trust him. And, and I haven't learned to like it yet, but I've learned to trust him. And I've found him to be faithful. And I just keep trusting the steps, the steps, not the yards, not the miles, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Are you walking with him? Can you say you're walking in the spirit this morning? Let me ask you another question. Were you walking in the spirit Saturday night? Were you walking in the spirit Friday night? If you weren't, you need to get in the spirit now. Can we have every head bow, every eye closed? I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I pray he's doing something. I really do. I pray he's doing something. If he is, why don't you deal with him? Father, thank you for the privilege to share your word one more time in this wonderful, glorious place.